Welcome to The Coin Club, a podcast brought to you by The Seven House Coins Currency Bullion, where we discuss everything related to numismatics. I'm glad to have you along with me for my journey and excited to share with you the very best of numismatics. all you coin collecting friends out there welcome to episode 34 of the coin club podcast punks tony phil didn't see his shadow so we're going to have an early spring now if you're asking yourself tone who the heck is punks tony phil go ask your friend google a little homework for y'all and if you know who he is spring's on the way and early spring means chances are you're not going to be freezing your tookus off here in the north for those April coin shows and coin club meetings you're going to have to attend. Just a little while ago, I had the snow shovel out taking care of the white stuff. And although I now enjoy snowfall because I don't have to drive in it for a living, I do like the warmer weather. The green farmer's fields and the warm breeze blowing through the dunes at the beach. I'm a summer guy, I guess. Either way, you still have a couple of months to get your stuff together before all the summer outings and vacations and home improvements start to eat up your me time with the hobby. Take full advantage of it so you can enjoy those activities when the time comes. A lot of cool things to talk about on this episode. Some new offerings from the ANA, which I'll probably throw into the news section. You don't want to miss the World Coin Spotlight or more roll hunting tips and reminders. And we'll end it off with an opinion piece. I guess you could call it that. I have listeners that send me messages all the time. Sometimes just to chat, other times they ask questions, and I love it. That's what the hobby's about. Learning, growing, and not just your collection, but the way you look at things also. I might not be the fastest at replying to them, but I do to each and every one that you send me. I thought that two of the more recent questions that I was asked deserve a spot on the show. Who knows, maybe I'll make it a regular addition to the podcast. With that said, my fine friends, let's get on with the show. If you haven't already heard, the United States Mint and the Royal Mint have announced that they will be partnering with each other in a collaborative design for the 2024 Liberty and Britannia program. The design is a work by chief engravers at both mints. If you remember the last time this happened, it was back in 2021 with the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower Voyage coins and medals. The description on their website of the coin is as follows. The design features allegorical Liberty and Britannia depicted in stoic profile portraits featuring complementary and balancing elements suggestive of the faces on a playing card. Their appearance identifies each figure. Liberty carries a torch and is adorned with stars, while Britannia wields a trident and wears a Corinthian helmet. Inscriptions will be appropriate for each nation. I personally think that the Mint is going down the right path here in regards to collaborating with the Mints around the world. I would like to see a little more of it, to be honest with you. 
What I don't like to see is the astronomical price tag that accompany these. Price them so you make a nice little profit, but it would be great if you would stop pricing it out of the reach of the normal Joe. Price so that I can buy one of these and get a mint set or two and not feel guilty about breaking the bank. The silver medal is priced at $89. In the month of February, the mint will have a bunch of offers available to you. It started off on February 1st with the American Women Quarters Reverend Dr. Pauli Murray rolls and bags. February 8th saw the release of the Liberty and Britannia gold coin and silver medal. On the 13th, you could get your hands on the Rutherford B. Hayes presidential silver medal. February 15th, they released the First Amendment to the United States Constitution 2024 platinum proof coin right to assemble. February 27th, you'll see the release of the 2024 American Women Quarters proof set. And lastly, on the 29th, you'll be able to get an order in for the Greatest Generation Commemorative Coins. They're going to be releasing the Clad Uncirculated Coin, Silver Proof Coin, Silver Uncirculated Coin, and the Three Coin Proof Set. Just out of curiosity, I was perusing their website for circulating coinage production figures. If it's up to date, they were pretty busy in 2023. All in all, between the Philly and Denver mints, in total circulating coinage, they produced 11,381,700,000 coins. They were given a pretty equal workload to each mint as Denver was responsible for 5.65 billion coins and Philly 5.73 billion, give or take a little. The American Numismatic Association has a wealth of knowledge, opportunities, and vast amount of benefits from being a member. They most recently have announced that they were launching a new e-learning academy. It's hard to focus on one aspect of the new launch, so I want you to go over their website and check it out for yourself. It's www.money.org. There are so many things to enjoy, learn from, and peruse. They have a technical series seminar section, numismatic diploma program, webinars, a library, the Money Museum, and the list goes on. Just do yourself a favor and head on over there and check them out. The Young Numismatist Literary Award nominations are going on now through April 11th. There are three different categories which will relate to age groups, 8 to 12, 13 to 17, and 18 to 22. If you're a young numismatist and dream of heading out to the summer seminar, but you just don't have quite enough dough on hand, there is also a grant opportunity there for you to check out as well. It's sponsored by the Thomas Family Foundation on behalf of Atmex for young numismatists aged 13 to 17. College scholarships too. It's crazy the amount of value you can get from the ANA. Oh, by the way, the ANA's National Money Show will be held this year from March 14th to March 16th at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Heritage Auctions is going to have a March 11th Carson City Coinage U.S. Coin Showcase Auction, and also on that date, for all you Rattler lovers, they're going to have the Texas Rattler Collection U.S. Coin Showcase Auction. On March 18th, you'll see a Modern Collectibles U.S. Coin and Bullion Auction as well. We as collectors always have counterfeit coins in the back of our mind. If you're not an expert, you're always worried about buying a counterfeit. Research and knowledge are always your best friend when it comes to this, and for me, when in doubt, send it out. I'm halfway decent at spotting fakes, halfway I said, but far from being an expert. The folks at PCGS can help you out with this, and they have a recent article that you should check out regarding a counterfeit 1972 double-die Lincoln cent. 
Not a lot makes me more mad than a thief. And this is exactly what these counterfeiters are doing. They're stealing your hard-earned money from us coin collectors by trying to make a quick buck with their garbage, ruining the hobby one in-demand coin at a time. Check out that article and gain a little more knowledge about a very popular coin to keep on your radar. Lastly in the news, my friends at Numismatic News have an article that is of interest to all of us who like to collect bullion, silver, gold, whatever your pleasure. We all work hard for our money and to have to pay taxes on our paycheck and taxes on top of that to purchase your bullion, well, it kind of makes you mad. The article is called Coin and Bullion Sales Tax Exemption 2024 Update. They dive into all the states that have exemptions on the tax, the ones that don't, and the efforts that the National Coin and Bullion Association are taking to reduce the number of states that still charge taxes on purchasing our beloved bullion bars and coins that we love so much. A good read. Check it out. Junkies. Yes, that means you. Sometimes in the coin world, there are coins that are considered controversial. For one reason or another, they're on a list and they might not be easily found, or maybe only one or two of them were ever found. But nonetheless, you should know about them and always keep your eye out for them. Today, I'm going to take you through five of the Lincoln cents that have been the talk of the town at one time or another. The first one is going to be the 1992 Lincoln Cent Double Die Obverse, more affectionately known as the Eyelid. It is what it is. You're going to be looking at Lincoln's eye. Some say that it is a doubled eyelid, but the top people in the game believe it to be just a die gouge. The number two coin is the 1980 D over S over mint mark. When it was originally found, it was thought to be a D over S. However, when further examined, it was actually found to be a die gouge and officially debunked in 2006 by Die Variety News. Three times a charm, right? Number three is the 1997 Lincoln Cent Double Die Obverse, particularly the doubled ear. Everyone thought it was a double die on the ear. However, that ever-so-loved book, The Cherry Picker's Guide, helped us to get on the right track with this one. Bill Favaz and J.T. Stanton say that this is quite possibly the most controversial Lincoln scent variety out there. They don't think it's a double die at all. They state that it is nothing more than a well-placed die chip. Numero quattro. The 1959D misplaced D Lincoln. Some people say that it looks like the 9 has a bar of the D mint mark hiding right on the leg of the second 9. Well, I don't know about that. I took a long, hard look at it, and it looks like a simple die break to me. Last, but certainly not least, at number five, we have the 1959D Mule Coin. The 1959 coin should have a memorial reverse, but this one has a wheat scent reverse. This one has been thoroughly gone over by darn near everyone. It was found in 1986 by a California collector. You know when I said, when in doubt, send it out? Well, the person who found it did. They did it in a grand way, too. They actually sent it to the Secret Service Forensic Division, who returned it, stating that the coin was legit. 
Then it was sent out to the top graders. They all were under the same opinion that the coin should not be graded because the authenticity just couldn't be verified. Not happy with that decision, it was sent back to the Secret Service who returned the same opinion once again. Legit. In 1993, PCGS got their hands on it and said that it was produced by fabricated dyes made using spark erosion. From that date until 2002, the coin went through many hands to try to guarantee the authenticity of it, and at that time, the owners were getting quite tired of all the denigration this coin was receiving. And they pretty much said that there would be legal action taken against anyone who made disparaging comments about the coin. Later in that year, Larry and Ira Goldberg were going to sell it, but actually had to stop the auction as a man who was convicted of forgery and murder said he made the coin. Mark Hoffman was his name, and he said he did it using an electroplating process. Well, back to the Secret Service it went. They found out the dude was lying, so back to Larry and Ira it went for sale. Controversial coins are just that, and whether or not they are worth money, they would be cool to find, cool to add to your collection, and they spark interest. That spark, if dealt with correctly, can be the spark you need to further your interest in the era and variety field of numismatics. Curiosity sparks interest in learning, friends, and I hope this sparked your interest in learning a little more about errors and varieties. Happy hunting, friends. The World Coin Spotlight is heading to Iceland on this episode. Its capital and largest city is Reykjavik, and the country spans a total of 103,125 square kilometers. Its population of about 399,000 people was settled in the 9th century. It is considered the world's 18th largest island with lots of gorgeous lakes and glaciers. If you're looking for vegetation... Well, the surface of this country only has about 23% coverage with vegetation, so it's very sparse. When it comes to coins and currency, the Icelandic bank holds the key to the country's money. They are the only ones with the right to issue banknotes or coinage in the country. It was established in 1961. It uses the kroner, and coins come in 1, 5, 10, 50, and 100 kroner. Their banknotes come in 500, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, and 10,000 kroner. In the year 1874, the Danish krone made its debut in Iceland. The first Icelandic coins saw their introduction in 1922, and they were the 10 and 25 auror pieces. In 1925, the 1 and 2 krona pieces appeared, and shortly after that, in 1926, the 1, 2, and 5 auror showed up. The coin we're going to feature on this episode of the podcast is the 1966 one a rear pattern coin. I probably pronounced that wrong, but it's spelled E-Y-R-I-R if you want to go take a look. Please do. I really like the look of this coin and wouldn't mind having it in my collection, but I'm speculating that because it's a pattern coin, it'll probably never happen. The obverse of the coin shows the Icelandic coat of arms surrounded by a wreath with the year prominently at the top. 
The reverse shows the face value of one on it with leaves to the side. These leaves come from the Betula possessens, which is the only endemic tree to the country. Island is inscribed at the top of the coin. It's not a hefty coin by any stretch of the imagination, as it's made of aluminum and weighs in at 0.6 grams. It is 15.2 millimeters round and is demonetized. Really cool coin and something I hope you take the time to look up. This part of the podcast is meant to spark your interest in world coins, and in all honesty, not meant for you to listen to me drone on about mindless details of the coin. World coins have some very unique designs, and if it's not part of the hobby that you've delved into yet, I highly recommend that you do. friends it's time for me to throw in my two cents on some topics that you have emailed me about since the beginning of the year remember this is only my opinion not financial advice and the end all be all is you do as you please the hobby looks different to each and every individual out there the first one we're going to talk about is all these youtube videos that you see out there that come in the beginning of the year telling you to take full advantage of going to your bank and buying up as many of the new boxes of coins as you possibly can and selling them quickly for a decent profit. Many questions have come up about this, so I figured I'd take a crack at it. The first part of this response is going to be about the YouTube videos. Like any other platform that provides all you coin addicts a venue to get your information, your entertainment, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Views and retaining listeners... Getting them to come back on the platform is what makes them money. With that said, you have two types of honest people on YouTube. The honest people who do everything they can to make sure what advice or information they're giving you is up to date and truthful. And then you have the honest to goodness, I'm going to make a buck any way I can people who are, giving, who are going to give you a little clickbait to keep you and get you hooked. Are either of them bad? That's up to you to decide. I really don't like the individuals who inflate their information on what you think you're going to get when searching through roles, and I really don't like the people who don't think it through and give you all the details. Heck, that's partly why I don't like the commentary like this. You are the one to ultimately decide what's good for you and your collection. I just hope I'm doing a good job at getting you to where you need to be. Anyway, these people that tell you to grab all you can in the beginning of the year to do have a point. There is a market to get the newest and brightest and shiniest coins in hand as fast as you can. However, that market is very, very limited and not around for a long time. So if you're planning on doing something like this, be prepared to get let down. If you do, in fact, find yourself with a large number of new coin rolls. You may have some left that aren't going to sell and you're saying, Tone, What do I do then? That's my word of caution to you. It's not a bad thing to try and flip something to make a profit and enhance your collection with that money or use it as you see fit. Lots of us do it, but have a plan. When those rolls don't sell, don't get yourself all down in the dumps because it didn't work out. You still have coins at face value. And now you have yourself a good bit of entertainment, friends. 
you're going to have a lot of roles to look through for varieties and errors, and you just never know what you're going to find. Some people detest looking through brand new shiny rolls of coins, but they have their time and place. I would tell you to set them aside and go through a roll here and there, but don't hit everything at once. You'll likely go blind looking at all those shiny coins. It's a tough one on the old eyes, but if you do a couple at a time, you'll eventually get through them. Will you find anything? You just never know. In the end, again, it's up to you what you want to do with them, and there is no right or wrong answer here. Only prepping yourself if they don't sell for what you intend to do afterwards. You're really not losing anything unless your bank charges you for new rolls of change. The second question of many questions of note that I received, I thought would be a good thing to discuss on the show, is more of a sentiment that new collectors have or even seasoned folks dealing with selling their collections. They tell me I went to a local coin shop with some things I wanted to sell and I wasn't given the time of day or the offer was not what I expected. The first couple of things I'll point out here are the following. Coin shops, believe it or not, are around to make money. Coin dealers may be busy at the time, and you have to have a legitimate want to understand the whys of buying and selling. With those things being said, if the shop owner truly doesn't give you the time of day, and you're the lone person in there, I would say just turn around and leave. First things first, though. The optimal recommendation is that you build a professional or even personal relationship with your local brick and mortar, if that's where you are most comfortable selling. There are many avenues to buy and sell, and this is the one that gives you the most personal experience. People long for that in the coin community. Building this relationship starts the first time you walk through that door. Many shops, remember folks, are a one-man show, and you have to take all this into account. Are there other patrons in the store when you walk in? If there is, let them know that you would like to speak with them, and while they're assisting other customers, browse around the store and see what they have to offer. This is your downtime waiting where you can use to look at all the nice things in the store and possibly gain some more knowledge on things you don't always run into on the regular. When it's your turn, speak to the shop owner. You have to understand some things. They are there to make money. They have mouths to feed, lights to keep on, and overhead to keep that shop open. So take all of this into account if your preferred method of selling is through a brick and mortar. Possibly schedule an appointment. Have a general idea of what you're looking to get for the wares that you're trying to sell, and it's okay if you write things down. One coin, yes. Keep those details in your head, but if you have a lot to sell, write it all down. Nobody will fault you for it. Another little detail is this. Just because the coin is important to you doesn't mean it's worth something. Sounds a little harsh, but it's the reality of it. There is a market that sets prices, and sentimental value has nothing to do with it, unfortunately. Or we would all be rich. Dealers see this a lot. When you offer a coin or a collection to a dealer for sale, you'll probably will get close to gray sheet price for them, or a little under, depending on the dealer. You may get more, though, depending on how in demand your pieces are. There are just so many scenarios out there that we can't possibly talk about all of them. A lot of questions revolve around common circulating coinage that people think are worth a ton of money because YouTube told them so. Again, sorry to be Debbie Downer for you, but unless you know how to grade, it's probably not what you think it is, and this may be why you felt you were pushed aside when trying to sell something also. 
A good shop owner who has the time will explain to you the whys, and this is your time to shine. Well, not so much shine, but take in all the information he's given you and learn. Some modern coins are worth a pretty penny in high conditions, but do you really have it? The chances are the dealer does not want to take the time to send it in and find out, especially when modern coins have a high dollar value, the difference between, say, an MS-68, 69, or 70. You got to remember, it costs money to send them in. Again, a good dealer will educate you on this if time allows, and if they don't because they're preoccupied with other things, ask them if you can schedule a minute to talk about these kinds of things. They may have a time they know when the shop is not busy and will be happy to talk coins with you. After all, they're in the coin business, so they gotta love coins. Building that relationship, it's where it's at. If you feel that you are certain about a coin beyond reasonable doubt, you can always send it in and take that chance in having it graded or talk to the shop owner. Say, hey, I think I have something here and I want to sell it. What do you think is the best avenue for me to take? They may see the same thing as you and tell you that they'll send it in for grading and offer you a set price if it does come back in the grade you think you're going to get. Or they'll tell you otherwise. Either way, take it as a learning experience and don't be offended if what you have really isn't what you thought you had. They see all kinds of people on all kinds of levels walk in all the time. The long and short of it is this. Know your local brick and mortar owner. Go in there with a learning mindset if you're not positive on what you have. And if they really truly blow you off, then you have to think to yourself, do I really want to do business with this person when they treat people like this? I'll answer that one for you. No, you don't. Remember, you can always get a second opinion if you don't feel comfortable with the offer. There are many different types of people in the world, and everyone isn't going to be a rose. Plenty of times I've said no thank you solely on the way I was treated and have gone to another shop or table at a show. Being nice to people costs nothing. So take those words of advice and tailor your situation around that. I hope this answers some of your questions and maybe gives you a different perspective on things. It was a pleasure to be back on here with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to have you along with me on the next episode of the Coin Club Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I had a great time with you and look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. Please follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion and also on Instagram at the Coin Club Podcast. You can also go to my website, www.sevenhousecb.com and give me some feedback on this episode or some suggestions on what you would like to see on future episodes. As always, I'm grateful to all of you for your support and look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast. <laughs>